This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. All right, good morning, everyone. We're going to get started with our second uh, seminar. It's two minutes after 10, according to my watch. Um, seminar is entitled Board Meeting, Board to Board Meetings. And uh, I wondered if this was a good seminar title because people might think it would be boring. And uh, seeing how, oh, hey, hey, Dale, what's going on? Seeing how a lot of people left, uh, maybe it's a boring topic. Um, Let me ask you, how many of you are part of a board in some capacity one way or another? Okay, hands down. If you're not, uh, God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started here for today. Father in heaven, we ask that you use this time, uh, Lord, use my bumbling words to convey um, the passion you have placed in my heart. Uh, Father, there are boards that are happening all over the world, Lord, and uh, the gospel work is not just sitting in meetings all day, but Lord, we know that plans are happening to expand your work, and we just pray that, teach us, Lord, how to be Christ-like, to be um, strategic in a Christ-like way on how to get the gospel forward, we pray humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the, the seminar this morning is entitled Board to Board Meetings, Your Unique Participation in the Local Adventist Church. Um, I'm going to do some recap from the previous uh, seminar, so if you were here, you're going to be you're hearing the same thing. Uh, we talked about church organization in our last seminar. There are different organization types. We call this ecclesiology. You have the Episcopal type and the Presbyterian type and independent type. We are part of the uh, Presbyterian representative ecclesiology. If you don't know what that means, you're going to have to look at the, uh, listen to the previous seminar. Here, there are four different, three different conference levels, four different levels in the church, the highest being the general conference, and you have 13 world divisions. And by the way, you guys see in the middle there the newly uh, created Middle East and North American, uh, North, North, American, North African uh, Union. It was um, newly created in the past couple years and a specialized evangelistic effort for the Muslim and the Middle Eastern Arabian uh, countries. You see right in the middle there is a star of David. It's, it's the area of Israel. Israel does not fall into that category. So they are, um, they are a union that's under directly the general conference. They're not under any division. And if you guys are nerdy, uh, I find that to be very interesting. And the, the general conference is taking an initiative to do evangelism in the Middle East directly. Um, if you, there was another uh, slide that I took out, but if you look at the, the world church, the place where there are the least amount of Seventh-day Adventists is guess where? It's the Middle East. And the, the, con- the highest concentrations are in um, Inter-America, which is the Central, Central America, and in, and in, um, in Africa, um, uh, th- those, those divisions. Um, here's one division. Here's the West Africa that we showed last time. This is an example of a union, the North Pacific Union. This is the Arizona Local Conference. And uh, the passion that I shared last time was you all should know what local conference you're in, what division you're in, what union you're in, and uh, all be par- um, partakers in, in church polity. By the way, there's nothing like a young person that's interested in church polity that really excites church leaders. Okay? And your participation may in many ways help them. A lot of them are a billion years old. 
A lot of them have been sitting for a billion years old. And so when you ask them some of these questions like, uh, hey, what's da 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 it really juvenates and gives them hope in the future uh, and that young people are interested in church business. Here's a local church. We talked about the local church being um, having authority over membership, the local conference having authority over pastors, the union conference having authority over policies, and the general conference over world missions. Um, I also talked about the general conference session that all of you should be going to this year in 2015 uh, in San Antonio. Um, they will be talking about the, the 28 fundamental beliefs, the church manual tithe, and all these things will be recorded in the church, uh, church papers and the Adventist Review. And then we also talked a little about Sabbath school, on how your local participation Sabbath school participates or interacts with the, the world church. This seminar will be about these five uh, uh, more like four, how to get involved in the global church. There's a new term that's been phrased maybe about several years ago called glocal. Glocal is the way how the glo- global movement impacts your local movement. Um, sometimes when you get into these extremes where you're all about the global, the global, the global, we're going to take over the world, take over the world, and then what do you do? I don't know, but I'm just part of it, man. Like, well, what have you done? I, don't, I haven't done anything, but I'm part of it. Okay. Then you go to the other extreme. I'm part of the local, man. We're like, you know, hands-on, grassroots. My hands are dirty. And like, well, why are you doing it? What's the larger picture? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just handing out water to, to homeless people. Well, what's, what's the larger picture? I don't know. They're, they're thirsty. That's the largest picture. They're thirsty. Okay. Now, you need, to, you need to bring these two sides together. Does that make sense, everyone? And that's what glocal means. Number one is every Seventh-day Adventist, young, old, or middle-aged person should win a soul to Christ personally. Amen? Amen. And if you're really passionate, uh, Carissa McSherry is going to teach you how to practically do that. I took her photo off the internet like a creeper, and, uh, and she, she works for Amazing Facts, and, and, and she's here with us. And I'm, I was going to say this whether you're here or not, but from the rumors that I have heard about her, she is one of the most qualified instructors on personal evangelism. Okay, and she's going to blush a little bit, and I feel a little awkward, but you want to come to those four seminars. Uh, number two is get involved with your Sabbath school. We talked about this in the previous seminar. Uh, one way to get involved is to revitalize your Sabbath school council. How many of you are a part of your Sabbath school council? Raise your hand. Oh, God bless you, sister. I love you to death in, in a sisterly way, in case my wife is listening. Uh, your sister behind you gave this look like, what is a Sabbath school council? The Sabbath school council is this where the Olympian gods sit amongst these pillars of Greek, you know, and they, they discuss the topics of Sabbath school. Sabbath school council is a real entity. It's found in the church um, manual. It is responsible for all the activities in Sabbath school. Now get this. In the ancient Sabbath schools, and by ancients I mean the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, <laughs> Sabbath school was an evangelistically active engine of the local church. Sabbath school was a place where all the departments of the church were united. And, were winning. and so what happens is each, each of the elders had their small groups. Okay? Seventh-day Adventists had small groups before small groups became popular. You all know that? And uh, these small groups, would bring, they'd bring their friends and, and, and they, they, take, they take attendance. And the reason why Sabbath schools take attendance is to see whether non-Avenists came out or not. 
Today, we have no, uh, because Sabbath school is not evangelistic, we have no non-Adventists. So many people ask, what is the point of attendance? Well, if everyone is an, an Adventist, there is no point to attendance. Does that make sense? But if we make it evangelistic, there's a reason for all these things. And because you have all these small groups going on, you have all these non-Adventists coming, you have all these activities, you need a Sabbath school council to oversee all this. The Sabbath school council is chaired by the superintendent and and the assistant superintendents. There is the secretary, uh, SS secretary. The um, Sabbath school secretary uh, is in charge of attendance and offerings. How much come in? By the way, your offerings for Sabbath school go directly to world missions. Okay? You all understand this, that your tithe, 100% of it, goes to the local conference. Your local church sees none of it. Your tithe goes to support personnel only. Your Sabbath uh, Sabbath school offerings go to world missions. That means the world. And in the back of your quarterly, you'll see a picture of you know, one of the divisions. It goes to that. What does your local church have? Nothing. So your local church uh, has electricity, air conditioning needed in Florida, heat needed in Michigan, Sabbath school quarterlies, children's materials, you know, vacuuming, vacuuming you know, uh, pew polishers. I don't know, whatever you need. Who is in charge of all. Well, I mean, how do you how do you support all that? There's another thing called local church offerings. Okay, and so we, there's this policy of 10 percent. Uh, there's this myth that people say, you know, I gave my 10 percent. That's all I'm giving to God. I'm not giving anything else. Okay, you should give 10 percent to God, and you give another 10 percent to your church. And that 10% is either uh, in local church offerings or through VBS or Sabbath school or whatever, how the Lord impresses you. So you give double tithe. Amen? And you're like, oh, dude, that's a lot of money, man. Like, dude, that's like 20% of my, my budget. Like, that's a lot. Like, I can't, uh, uh, you know, my, my Starbucks coffee. Stop drinking coffee. Amen? <laughs> and the more you give to the Lord, guess what? The Lord, the, Lord, the more the Lord's going to give to you. It's like, dude, give me more. <laughs> okay. I'll stop with the voice. Uh, there's, other vo- there's other people that need to be in Sabbath school council. Division leaders, children's ministry, uh, VBS, investment leaders, personal ministry leaders, and elders, and pastor. Your pastor is ridiculously busy. In most churches, the pastor is not involved in Sabbath school, and that's okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay because Sabbath school is ideally a lay-oriented uh, movement. It is not pastorally oriented. Now, here's, the, here's uh, where it all comes together. Who are the Green Beret Marine Seals of the Adventist Church? Missionaries. Incorrect. Sabbath school. Because we're talking about Sabbath school. Incorrect. Deacons. Incorrect. The young people. Because we're at GYC. Incorrect. Deaconesses. Incorrect. Uh, Says a male. Anyone else? The teachers, which te- who said that and what? The Sabbath school teachers, because we're talking about Sabbath Incorrect. Anyone else? Elders, incorrect. Elders are not the Green Beret. Uh, they're more of like the, the brass sitting at the White House. Anyone else? <laughs> the members, that's like everyone. Incorrect. The Holy Spirit. The, uh, I'm not going to say incorrect to that because that's, but that's not the answer that I'm looking for. Gee, I'm not gonna, uh, that's not the answer I'm looking for. Isn't this frustrating? 
Yeah, right? Okay, I hate when, when people do it, but I do it all the time. The Green Beret of the church. The Green Beret of the church are VBS leaders. Now, I have no spirit of prophecy or biblical basis for that. That's just my opinion. Here's the reason. If some of you, how many of you are VBS leaders or have been part of VBS or part of children's ministry of some degree? Okay, God bless you guys. Teaching children is the hardest thing on earth. Amen? Now, if you're laughing, you've never taught children. <laughs> or, or, you, or you have them. That's, that's what, because you have children, that's why you're not teaching them. Um, VBS, the original design of VBS, and this is what happens. Because of the, the evangelical uh, influences, whatever, VBS has become one week of an intense, awesome, rock and roll, candy, cheese-filled program. Yes? Come out to VBS. It's going to be fun. It's 9 o'clock. We're going to give you cookies. 10 o'clock, we're going to give you, you know, string cheese. 11 o'clock, we're going to give you, like, veggie soda. <laughs> That's nasty. <laughs> veggie soda. Uh, we're going to whatever. And then we're just going to go all out. And then you get, like, we love VBS. We love VBS. And then when VBS is over, everyone goes to Aruba to, like, relax for, like, forever. And yes or no? Okay. Most churches go all out for VBS. The pastor comes out and says, you know, how many of you love our young people? We need to invest in young, young people. Young people, VBS. And then, boom. What's the point of that? All you've done is you've entertained the neighborhood kids just very well. And whenever they drive by the Adventist church, they're like, oh, veggie cheese place. We love that place. Good memories, cheese. Okay. That's not what we want to be known for in the Adventist church. Amen? So what happens? The original design for VBS is you bring, you go, you knock on every door. How many have kids? Hey, we have a program from June 17th to 21st. We're going to do a VBS program. Send your kids out. Send your kids out. And every parent who is normal and has kids will want to send their kid because it's free childcare for a couple hours in the day. Amen. Okay, if they're from a Christian family, they want to have their kids have a biblical basis on something. So they're going to send their kids out. And what, what do you do? You do go all out for your VBS. But somewhere around Thursday or Friday, you ask this question. How many kids love VBS? We love VBS. How many want to VBS all year? We want to go to VBS all year. Then we're going to have VBS all year just for you guys. No, no, that sounds awesome. But you have to go to school on the weekdays. So what, we're moving VBS to, I don't know, 9.30 at Saturday morning. And we're going to have divisions for you. And some of you are going to be in primary and cradle roll. And da, 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 da. Come out. Do you guys want to come out? We want to come out. And, and come out. And what you do is, I'm exaggerating, but not really. You want to bridge VBS to children's Sabbath school. Does that make sense? Now, before you bridge it and before you have this you know, this, this tsunami of people coming into your Sabbath school program, you want to make sure your Sabbath school program is what? Is ready for that. Or if they even want non-Adventists to come out. Sometimes these children's ministry leaders have been children's ministry leaders for 500 years. And if you're non-Adventist, they think of you like, they, they look at you weird, okay? Sabbath school must be evangelistic, Amen. What happens? All these kids come out. Your parking lot is going to be full of people, of, of parents who are dropping off their kids. And you put another letter in their, in, their, in their backpacks and say, hey, parents, if you want, instead of just dropping them off, 
Why don't you also come in for a Bible study during the same time? And it's for, it's for and we don't necessarily have to study the quarterly. There can be different classes, entry levels of Bible interest classes, introduction to prophecy, introduction to Christianity, introduction to spiritual, whatever it is, come out while your kid has the VBS program. And this is where VBS becomes a feeder for Sabbath school. Sabbath school becomes a feeder for evangelism, and evangelism re-transforms your local church. Amen? But it all starts from some sanctified VBS Green Beret people knocking on doors and saying, hey, would you like to send your kids to a VBS program? Amen? If we don't have this mentality, we're doing VBS in vain. We're doing Sabbath school in vain. We're just entertaining kids just because, hey, uh, for childcare reasons. Um, get involved with your Sabbath school. All of you, you all, you all look normal here, most of you. Uh, get, get involved in your local Sabbath school. Amen? Number three, visit, reclaim former and missing forgotten backsliding members. This is, this is the fabric of the church. And this one, you need to pray yourself up. Okay? Now, a lot of these people, um, they, they, they left or they're gone for some reason or sometimes they've just been forgotten. Okay? Your job, is to say, Lord, I want to go seek the lost. And if in some of these cases, you may receive some negative feedback. You pray yourself up. Amen? You understand what I mean by that term? You pray yourself up. And any negative feedback that you get, you just take it as a, you, you take the hit for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But we need people to go out into the field. Number one, team inexperienced people with experienced people. All of you in your local churches where you have your local membership, contact your pastor or your elder and say, uh, hey, Mr. Elder Guy, uh, I came back from this, this really weird you know, youth conference in Phoenix, and they told me to go visit you know, the, the lost and some, some, some missing members. Can you help me do that? And then he'll have a, a period of shock for 13 seconds, and he's like, yeah, I'd like to help you. Now, if the pastor does not help you or a pastor does not lead you to another uh, person who can help you with that, that pastor has done you a huge travesty to find someone else that can help you. Okay? Don't criticize the guy. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he forgot. Whatever. But just go to someone else. Okay? But you, if you're inexperienced, find someone who is experienced. If you're experienced, you need to find someone who's and, and team two, up, two by two. Next, you pray before in the car, you pray during, and you pray after. What I tell our people is, when I'm talking and you're not talking, you better be talking to God. Okay? And when you're talking, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to be talking to God. So always someone is, is praying at the same time. And, and after you're finished with your visit, you want to go back into your car and you want to do some debriefing. And you want to pray and ask the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for that experience, whether it be positive or negative. Okay? Number three, memorize their name. Amen? It's huge. People love hearing their name. Okay? It's just the, the, the cardinal nature in us, I guess. I don't know. But memorize their name. If you forget their name, and, and please, and I'm saying, <laughs> I make fun of them because it all happened. You know, you don't go into the house and like, hey, we love, we love visiting you. How are you doing, Mrs. Betty's, you know, whatever, whatever. Don't read their name off of, a, off a piece of paper or a card or, hello, church member 4573 through 21. Uh, it's been... 4.3 years since we've seen you, and you've, you know, no one likes that. Just memorize their name, and, and then pray for sincerity. Um, I know there's a lot of these principles, seems fake, but pray for sincerity. I'm giving you the mechanics up here. Uh, debrief afterwards, you may even want to write it down. 
um, when you go visit them, uh, get information about them. Okay, so you're, you're a widow. Okay, you were married for, 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 for 500 years, and you have 500 children, and, and you have 500. Oh, that's, that's interesting. You have 500 degrees. Just get to know them. What I do is I like to go visit people and look at their photos. Yeah? I know it's pretty creeper of me to do that, but why do people have photos? It's so that people can see their photos. I'm like, wow, you have 500 children. That's so cool. And the, I want to see all 500 of your great-grandchildren, whatever, whatever, whatever. Then you want to write it down so, that, so you don't forget. This is an awesome quote that I like to memorize, or I, I write it down so it, it gives me encouragement. This is 1941. Angels of God, attend you to the dwelling of those you visit. Amen? Okay? Now, there's nothing like visiting someone that will really ramp up your, your uh, spirituality uh, and also your insecurity. Okay? Your insecurity is going to be like, Okay, I know I'm up here and I'm one of the leaders. I'm wearing a suit, but you don't. You have never met anyone more insecure than I. Okay, there's. I have so many f- funny stories, and I praise the Lord for these experiences because I can share them with you, laughing now. But back then, I was crawling in a fetal position in the corner of a dark room. Okay, <laughs> these experiences will beef up your spiritual life. If not, I mean, they're supposed to link you inexorably with Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, be tactful, gentle. Don't argue when you go to these things. You don't need to agree with everything that they say, but just listen. And the more you listen, you're actually ramping up credits in their mind. Okay? Now, some of these people who have been burned, in reality, they've been burned legitimately, and they've experienced humongous injustices and travesties by local church members. They really have. Okay? Whether it's by the system or by an individual. Just listen. Pray for the strength to shut up. Amen? And just listen. Okay? You don't need to coddle them. You don't need to just say, oh, no, oh, boogie, boogie. You don't need to do any of that. Just listen and say, you know, I, and, and, and represent the church. Uh, oh, we'll talk about that. Um, identify which Sabbath school class you're from. Okay, while you're talking, like, hey, you know, sister, um, I'm just from the, uh, in one church that I had, we divided the small groups into Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, Romans. Uh, no one wanted to be part of Romans. Uh, you know, whatever. Hey, I'm from the Thessalonians Sabbath School class, and we just wanted to say we, we, uh, we miss you. Uh, oh, we haven't contacted you for five years. <laughs> We're very sorry about that. But we want to stop that from happening. And man up to mistakes at the church. Local church, make mistakes. Admit them. Say that we're sorry, that you don't want to make those mistakes again. Help us not to make those mistakes. If they don't want to talk to you ever again and they kick you out of the house, then just go away. I mean, you don't, there's just water off your back. The Lord Jesus will take care of some situations. There's others that are saying, you know what? I, I haven't, I've always wanted to be part of the church family again. And in your mind, in your insecure mind, in my insecure mind, you're always thinking of the worst case scenario. But in many cases, these cases are very positive. And uh, one person that I visited said, you know what? No one's visited me in seven years. I don't care who you are, and I don't care uh, what church you're from. And so in my mind, she started off speaking this way. I'm thinking like, oh, no, she's going to like, you know, blow me away with a nuclear weapon. She says, I don't care who you are. I don't care what church you're from. I want to go to your church. I'm like, oh, amen, amen. Well, welcome, welcome. Turn the water on. We're going to baptize her right now. Um, <clears throat> you can send greeting cards. 
send a, send a, a, a lesson study or sermons as an MP3 or a, or a CD, or if they're really you know old school, a tape or a record player. Uh, whatever you got to do, get it, you send stuff out to them. Tell them that you miss them. Now, if you're not, if you sincerely don't miss them, don't say that. Okay, but you can say if you miss them, yeah, you miss them. Um, there are church members that they, they haven't showed up for a month or two, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I do miss you. Like, you're one of the most weirdest people that I know. <laughs> and that's what we need you in our, oh, man. Lights are out. Uh, you're one of the weirdest people that I know, and I say that because it's part of my personality. They understand who I am. But we love you and we miss you. Come out to church again. A lot of times they say yes. Sometimes they say no. Don't take it personally. Uh, look for, say that you look forward to them coming again. Assure them of your prayers. And only say that if you're really praying for them. Invite them over to your house personally. In North America, we have lost the art of hospitality. Yes? Even small things as when people come to your house, open the door and walk out to them. And when they're leaving, walk out to their car. And many times in North America, like, I'm only leaving up to my house. <laughs> Goodbye. And you, and you close, you shut the door right as they leave. We've lost the art of hospitality. If you look at the Bible, Abraham saw the angels coming out, uh, the, the strangers, and he ran out to greet them. It's as if, like, man, I want to hang out with you so much that I can't wait till you come here. I'm going to go run out to you. Okay? And, this hosp- and then when people have visited you, you send a thank you note to them. Thank you for visiting my house. It was my privilege that you came and ate all my food. Thank you so much. Don't say that. Don't say that. What I'm saying, I'm, I'm trying to make comical, is we've lost the art of hospitality. Uh, we don't even know our, our neighbors anymore. Amen? And so we need, to, we need to rectify that. Some things you could say is, on behalf of the church, we'd like to apologize and ask for forgiveness. Okay? And these are, these are cases, maybe they've been wronged by the church. Uh, if they have not been wronged by the church, but they are still bitter, you don't say that. Okay? Don't say anything to get them to church. You're lying, and the Lord does not use satanic methods to get people in the church. Amen? To pray for sincerity, be real with people. From the bottom of our hearts, I ask that you forgive us. One thing I know is that God really loves you. One person came to church, and a group of ladies made fun of his beard. Like, who does he think he is? He's wearing a beard? Oh, I'm eating. He's no, 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 whatever. And he overheard that, and he stopped coming out to church. So I go over to I'll visit him, and he's like, and he's, like, I don't want to. I hate you, Adventists. Like, like, why do you hate us, Adventists? Like, do you not? Well, I believe everything that you do. Why do you hate us at Adventist? Do you, does our carpet smell? No, I, I love your carpet. I love your carpet so much. I'm like, what? Well, and then sometimes they're so ashamed of why they've been hurt, they don't want to say it, right? The reality of it. So then you, you befriend them, you love them in a real sincere way, ask the Lord for more strength. And then after a while, he's like, you know what? It sounds dumb, but they made fun of my beard. Man, hey, on behalf of the church, I'm really sorry. They should not have done that. They're dealing with some stuff. I'm dealing with stuff. You're dealing. We all need Jesus here. Yeah. Can you forgive them? And I'm going to talk to them afterwards too. Is that okay? Okay. And we, and we rectify some of these things. Okay. You're, war, you're doing the work of Jesus here. You really are. This is where the rubber meets the road. Um, have you ever, have you thought of recently coming back? Something that you can say. Uh, leave a book. Leave a DVD. Leave something behind. One pastor friend that he has times all of his worship, uh, all of his visitations with sundown worship. So he does visitations, and he says, hey, before I leave, I'm just looking here. It's, it's, uh, it's about sundown time. 
uh, would you like, to, can I have a very short sundown worship uh, vespers with you? And if, you know, it reminds them of keeping the Sabbath. And, and so, you know, I'd love to. I'd like to read one verse, boom, have a word of prayer with you, and you get out of there. Do not make it a two-hour evangelistic series until midnight. Okay? Um, you can arrange Sabbath school rides or meals. A lot of people, some, especially students or those who are elderly, they do not come out to church because they can't get to church. So you can arise, arrive that. Um, do not defend the church or argue. That's, um, that's not meant for visitations. Listen sympathetically. Don't preach to them. Be short. 15 minutes is enough. Okay? If you feel the Holy Spirit, stay there longer, but don't overstay. Okay? And don't be like, oh, it's 15 minutes. Pastor Kim said in the GYC seminar, only 15 minutes got to go. Bye. Because they're going to call me and, and scream at me. Um, one thing you can ask is, how long has it been since you've attended church? And then something else is, would you mind sharing what caused you to become inactive? This will help us in the future. This is something that you can ask if you're comfortable with that. You know, you haven't come out to church. Did we do something uh, in, our, in our organization systemically? How can we help make sure this doesn't happen again? And people, if they don't want to answer, they won't answer. Number four is rejuvenate the welcome guard. The who? Uh, this is an advertisement from uh, Heathrow Airport. Uh, the welcome guard, is, I believe, is the most important uh, portion on Sabbath morning. Okay? How many of you have ever gone to a new church and then you experience capital A awkwardness? I went to one church. I mean, these people were 500 years old. Okay? And it's this awkward thing like where I, I'm, I'm parked in the car and you have this long park, uh, uh, parking lot and then they're there in there, like, you know, the, uh, you know, <laughs> just standing there with their, 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 their bulletins. And as I'm walking out, they're just staring at me, waiting for me. It's just awkward, like, so do I stare at them back? Or do I look at the ground, pretend, oh, hey, hey, were you standing? It's this awkward thing. And then I meet them, and, like, and I say, hello. And I'm like, oh, you speak English. Oh, very good. Well, happy Sabbath. I'm like, happy Sabbath. <laughs> now, for the rest of my day, what am I thinking? Lord, I need your righteousness. <laughs> Convert my heart now and continually help me to love that guy. And then and the guy's love me. He's just the way he is and whatever. And we, we as Christians should understand and forgive and da-da-da-da. But is there an impression that has lasted because of the welcome guard? Okay. So either you as a young person, a lot of you as young people can really ju- rejuvenate the young, uh, welcome guard by being a part of it. Showing up to church at 9 o'clock on a winter morning to break up the ice will rejuvenate the 500-year-olds. Amen? And, 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 and with energy, say, hey, and it, not in a plastic, insincere way, but in a sincere way. And every time you say happy Sabbath, it is an exercise of sincerity. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath to you. And when you say happy Sabbath, Implicit in the greeting is happiness. Amen? So if you are not happy while saying happy Sabbath, you are contradicting the statement you are saying to that person. Happy Sabbath. <laughs> Does this make sense? Um, the welcome guard, it, what I do is um, through, for my church, and usually they're, they're deaconesses and deacons, I get them together, a special dinner for them, and I say, you are the face of this church. You are the welcome guard. You are the means by which people have first impressions. 
when people are getting out of their parking lot, don't meet them, don't, don't stand there, come out into the parking lot. Jesus never said, stay there at the doorway. Go eat out. <laughs> so go out. Even if it's raining, get an umbrella. Help them out of their car. Help the elderly out of their car. Welcoming does not help having a church. It starts from the minute they get into the parking lot. Amen? And statistically, it is said that when a new member has made five friends, five to seven uh, connections in a church, they are pretty much, the statistics are very high that they will stay at that church. Okay? So the welcome person is not like, happy Sabbath, did you get your bulletin? Here it goes. Go over there. Goodbye. Happy Sabbath. It's this mechanical thing. The person says, hey, is this your first time at church? Hey, well, my name is Justin, and let me introduce you. Hey, this is my friend Rachel. This is my friend Noah. This is my friend here. And this, this guy at Sabbath school, he's really good. Don't go to anyone else. They're kind of, but he's really good. Go to them. And you can kind of play. If it's your personality to do so, be as normal and sincere and Christ-like and humble as, as, as you are. Amen? And, 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 and connect them. Hey, did you meet anyone? To, no one said hi to you. I'm so sorry. I will, I will chastise them myself in two sermons from now when I preach. But, oh man, let me say welcome to you five times. for all, you, know, you just, just play. Welcome them with all sincerity. Pray with them. And even if you're not part of the welcome guard, go up to them and say, thank you so much for being the welcomings, wel- welcomers of my church. It must not be easy. You're here in a cold church. You're making photocopies at 9.15. The photocopier is not working again. I <laughs> encourage them. Amen? Number five is participate in what? And this is where we get to this. Church board meetings are probably the worst things ever on the history of the universe of, the, of, of, of creation. Yes? Now, after this, I hope you won't think that. <clears throat> church manual. Okay, how many of you read the church manual? Raise your hands. Really? That's awesome. You all should read the church manual. It is like New York Times bestseller list in heaven, okay? Um, not in heaven. There's going to be better books in heaven. Uh, the, the church manual says this. It is, uh, the church board's chief concern, the what concern? Chief concern is the spiritual nurture of the church and the work of planning and fostering what? In all of its, amen? Church board meetings are not about the color of your carpet. It is not gossiping. It is, I'll say honest, it is not a prayer meeting either. If you're going to pray, call it a prayer meeting and everyone together. Or if you're going to have a church board meeting, a prayer meeting with church board officers, but don't spend all of time of business in prayer either. You can just demarcate it and, and set the time appropriate for what you set it apart for. But it's planning for evangelism. How many board meetings have we been to that do not even talk about evangelism? When the board devotes its first interest and highest energies to every member evangelism, most of its what? Are alleviated and prevented a strong positive influence is felt in the spiritual life, excuse me, and growth of the church. The board will study local field committee recommendations for evangelistic programs and methods. It will determine how these can be best be implemented by the church. Excuse me, the pastor and the church board will initiate and develop plans for public evangelistic campaigns. Paints, church manual, page 92. If you have a church board meeting talking about evangelism, what happens is the church board meeting does not become this like, do we have a motion on the floor, second, and doom, motion has passed. Let me take my English wig off. That's not a church board meeting. 
church board meeting is a brainstorming session with the Holy Spirit on how what the local church can do to explode for the gospel in its local context. Amen? Amen. Okay, so, well, you know, if, if you're the strategic and if you like playing these strategic games or whatever, you, you get a map out. Or if you're this, you know, this emotionally touchy-feely, tutty-teddy bear stuff and you know, brainstorm about, hey, we can comfort ministry. And just all the different personalities in the church contribute to this brainstorming process. Process. At every church board meeting, you'll say, we don't have enough money. The answer is what? Do more evangelism. Bring more people in the church. More people will donate more. You have more money. Boom. Evangelism. <laughs> we don't have enough people. Well, we should do evangelism. Because if we do evangelism, it brings more people. We're not, we're not spiritual enough. We'll do evangelism. That makes the people more spiritual. Does that make sense? Now, every church will say one of these three things. Pastor, we don't have enough money. Pastor, we don't have enough people. Pastor, we're not spiritual enough. The answer is evangelism. Oh, we don't know how to do evangelism. Well, do evangelism. Then you'll know how to do evangelism. Does that make sense? And it's okay to make a mistake. And if, and if you really don't know, then you can contact uh, uh, Carissa McSherry and she'll come to your church uh, tomorrow. Okay? Church board meetings have been uh, times where you have contemplated suicide, yes? There, are, there have been church board meetings where I've dug my fingernails into my wrist and the pain that I felt was more soothing than the conversations that were going on. There are some principles that I like to mention uh, from my experience and then some from the spirit of prophecy and then we'll, I'll, I'll ask for a blessing for, uh, with all of you today. Number one, avoid demonizing others who hold a different point of view in word and in what? Okay. Church board meetings are places where there should be, there should be a difference of opinion. In the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we've lost the art of discussion. In order to not have people fight, sometimes we'd rather swallow our words. You know, I disagree, but I don't want, I don't want, I don't want people to think I, I don't agree with them, so I'm just going, oh, amen. No. You know what, I just, that's a great idea, but I just think that won't work, da 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 da, da. And you say it in a Christ-like way, and your tone, your what? And I'll say this, Sociolo uh, social psychologists say that females are much more in tune with tone than men. Yes? Is everything okay, sweetie? Yes. The male, male Brian, oh, well, she said yes. Well, then everything must be fine. But the female, she's communicating with her what? And it's the passive-aggressive, I hate you, yes. Yes, no, okay. Watch your tone when you're talking in board meeting. See things through the eyes of others. A lot of these are basic principles, but when you're in the board meeting, it's not always the case. Identify and affirm consensus achieved on relevant points. Get this, okay? Isolate the elements of a disagreement that actually differ and that are not simply different words for the same ideas. Does that make sense? A lot of our church board arguments are cyclical in nature. And it's like, no, I'm talking about blue, but no, I'm talking about cyan. No, I'm talking about sky blue. I'm talking, well, can we agree that it's just the shade of a monochromatic blue? Amen. Okay, let's move on. And, and your chair or someone who is proactive in that discussion should be able to point that out. You're arguing the same thing. It's this. Let's move on. And you move on. Amen? Next, 
after having isolated the real differences in context, evaluate all the sides of the issue together to see if there's movement towards consensus. Okay? When it doesn't violate your Bible-informed and spirit-guided conscience, explore compromised positions of third solution. And the praise of the Lord that, it, that sociologically speaking, the millennial generation is into compromise. They're into finding pragmatic ways to move forward. Okay? But I would say this. Compromise is awesome, but do not compromise principles of Scripture and do not compromise principles of the spirit of prophecy. Keep those as your anchors because if you don't have those two as your anchors, you're really going nowhere anyway. Okay? Consult the criterion authorities. That's the Bible, Spirit of Prophecy, the SDA Church Manual. And then at the end, you can agree to disagree and continue to what? Okay, I know it's very, very, very elementary, but how many board meetings do you know where now there are two families who have not spoken to each other for 500 years? Okay. 500 years ago, something a lot happened. <laughs> okay. When necessary, learn to live graciously and charitably with unanswered questions and without, without consensus. Focus on issues, not what? Personalities and avoid questioning what? And this is very, very dangerous. Uh, and I, I've been guilty of this. Uh, but when someone says, well, I think we should do this. He said that because he's arrogant. <laughs> or he said that because da, 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 da. Why is that person saying Well, he said that because she said that. And because she said that, she, she's reacting to this person's family because this person's son-in-law. Then the dry cleaner with the dog catcher. Sometimes, just take things for where they're at and, and learn to evaluate it there. Remember the goal. What is the goal of church board meetings? Evangelism. Your standard discussion, uh, discussion procedures, Robert, Robert's Rules of Order, we're going to talk about this. They encourage civility and fairness of discussion, help to avoid a tendency to allow the lar- loudest voices to prevail. And this is the, this is the last part is where we're trying, to ha- we're trying to avoid. What happens is when you get a group of people, the loudest people... And with all due respect, the annoying people end up doing all the talking. True or false? And usually the more normal people, just they, they're, they're, they're more socially with it. They just learn to, well, if he's loud and he's annoying, I'm going to shut up because I don't want to be loud and annoying like him. And church board meeting becomes this lowest common denominator discussion. Okay? That's why we need Robert's Rules of Order or some kind of civil discourse for this to happen. Um, there needs to be a general order for board meetings. Uh, one is a call to order. You should have a, uh, an announcement. Hey, guys, we're having board meeting at such and such a date, such and such a time. Number two is we call the minutes. The minutes help you remember what you discussed the previous time. Okay? Um, a, lot of, a lot of you are like, oh, minutes, it's just a dumb piece of paper. They help you remember. How many of you have uh, forgotten what you talked about in the previous meeting? How many of you have forgotten what you ate for breakfast today? How many of you don't know where you are right now? <laughs> That's what minutes will help you with that. Uh, and then you go through minute, uh, the reports, uh, either standing committees, pastor, treasury, secretary, they kind of give you what they're, they're, what they're up to. You talk about un- unfinished business, then any new business or announcements, and you call to adjourn. Now, this may sound shocking to some of you. Your board meeting should be done in one hour. And if it's not, your chair should make... And I said, look, we're, we're starting at 8 o'clock, we're done at 9 o'clock, and I don't care if you're in the middle of a sentence. I'm adjourning at 9 o'clock. You know what happened? I got the loudest amen. 
but then the people who were the loudest were the ones who were the most talkative. <laughs> and the first church board meeting was rough. I was like, God, it's 9 o'clock. Well, closing prayer. And the guys, I'm not done yet. I'm sorry. We'll wait till next, next, next month. You have one month to clarify your, your ideas. We, we, we concluded. The second month when we did this, guess what happened? Every comment was streamlined. People have, had written out their comments before the meeting because they wanted to get in before 9 o'clock. And uh, what, uh, an elderly pastor, a mentor of mine, said that after 9 o'clock, the devil takes the chair position of the, of the board. After 9 o'clock, people are tired. They want to go home. Moms are thinking of their kids who are like, you know, you know micro- microwaving themselves. You know, they're, they're worried about what's happening. They want to get out of there. And uh, tired people get a bit more tired. Anyway, you want to call to your journey, okay? Lingo. Number one, you want to get recognized. <sighs> there are different ways that people can get recognized. One, in the standard informal way, is you what? Raise your hand. Raising hand is a very elementary thing. A lot of people don't like this because it seems infantile. But if you don't do this, what happens? The loudest, annoying people will bully the board meeting. Make sure that does not happen. In a larger uh, meeting, an assembly, there's something called the chair recognizes so-and-so. So, and the, the board's role is not to do all the talking. It's just to recognize who gets to talk in a fair way. Number two, there's something called making a motion or moving. Okay? How many of you have made a motion before? When you make a motion, it's actually scary when you do it the first time. Uh, I like to make a motion. I move that. And you say it in a very worded way. What you're asking to do is you're asking the whole board to make a decision together and to talk about its ramifications. You cannot have a discussion unless you have emotion on the floor. Okay? Now, the first time I talked, I, I, I learned about this. And when I wish I learned about this in high school. But when I first heard about this, I asked the question, why is it on the floor? <laughs> Where's the floor? <laughs> There's no floor. It just means that it's, it's up to be discussed. Now, you can't have one person doing all the moving, so you have someone who also seconds the motion. If the motion or what the proposal is so ridiculous, the person should never get a what? A second. Uh, I move that uh, we stop calling ourselves the Seventh-day Adventist Church and that we start calling ourselves the Church of Satan. Well, the chair would have to ask, is there a second? <laughs> And there better be silence in that meeting, because if not, then that church is doomed. Um, then the, the chair should restate the question, restate the motion, because there's always someone. He says, "Oh, what did he say? Oh, what, what's going on?" There's always one in every group. Yes. And so you restate it, and then you discuss it. And this is where, like, you know, what? I don't think we should do that because we're Seventh Day Adventists, and uh, and, and you, you, you discuss it. The chair then moves the question. If the discussion is done, if it, it, it's all simmering down, the chair says, shall we vote? Shall we, shall we move the question? Then you vote. But if the discussion is going on too long, okay, and this, is, this is key. I hope you guys all use this. Okay? If the discussion is going too long, and there's one person who's just going on and on and on, and the chair can't control him and whatnot, you can say, I'd like to move the question. Move the what? The question means, I'd like to vote right now. That means you stop all discussion 
and you vote. Now, for that to happen, two-thirds of the group has to be in line with you. Now, if you're, pretty, if you're, if you're socially savvy, if, you're so, if your self-awareness is pretty keen, and you think two-thirds, if the majority is with you, I'd like to move the question. Okay, we have a, 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 you know, Justin would like to move the question. Is there a second? Okay, let's let you vote. And if you have two-thirds, it ends the discussion. You guys all with me? And then you vote again on the original motion. Does it make sense? Now, I say this because at general conference session, when the world church comes together, they use this process, and they don't know this process. And so someone comes on the floor. Uh, I'll give you an example, uh, a, a fabricated example. Um, Mr. Chair, I'd like to move that in the Seventh-day Adventist uh, fundamental doctrines, we believe that a family is one man and one woman. I'd like to change the wording from one man to one woman to any group of people. Is there a second? I second. So then we discuss it. Now, the discussion, you, you understand the ramifications of that motion. It may seem, if you're not savvy, it may seem, oh, yeah, family is a group of people. Now, there, is, there are other value systems and other ideologies that are playing into this. And what happens is this became so controversial that everyone, almost everyone stood up and was coming to the microphone. And the reality is this is, not a, this, this is, this is a topic that this should not, there's other things that we need to be talking about. And someone says, I'd like to move the question. And so then they voted. But get this, many people did not understand this process and when they voted on moving the question, they thought they were voting on the original motion. Does that make sense? So then they voted, and everyone's like, okay, 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 we got, we got our way. And then chair says, oh, look, okay, we'd like to vote now. And these people are like, why are we voting again? They didn't get it. So the chair, in general conference session, had to explain what I'm explaining to you right now. Now, when you're at general conference session or you see these recordings, when you understand these rules, you understand what's going on and what ideologies are playing one against the other and how these things flow. It's like an awesome uh, Adventist you know, wrestling match, okay, once you understand the rules. And then you vote, okay? Uh, the person would announce the results. Um, he usually says, um, those in favor of the motion, please say aye. Aye. Oppose, same sign. Nay or nay, whatever, and then you announce the votes afterwards. There are three things, and if you know this, and most likely in your church board meetings you won't be using this. You know, like, Mr. Chair, I'd like, I'd like to be recognized, and there's only five of you. You know, you don't, you don't need to do that. Uh, but when, when, if you know this, it's, it's, uh, they'll be impressed. You can interrupt the chair or interrupt the, dis, uh, the, the discussion three ways. One is the point of privilege. You can say, point of privilege, uh, the lights are not working. They keep turning off in the middle of my presentation. Uh, can, you, can you help it work? Uh, point of privilege, the audio, I can't hear you. Point of privilege, uh, your PowerPoint isn't working. Point of order is, uh, point of order, Chair, you didn't vote. There's a motion still on the floor. Uh, point of order, uh, Mr. Chair, you've left. Where did you go? <laughs> okay, something like that. And lastly, point of information. Point of information, uh, I don't understand. What is this Adventist church that you speak of? Could you clarify? And then they'll give you a weird look. Okay. Now, five, five more points, and then this, this, this is where spirit of prophecy comes into play. Okay? Are you guys still with me? Are you bored? <laughs> Satan attends every board meeting, every business meeting, every committee meeting, 
And if he can impress anyone's mind to make what? Objections? Or to throw in suggestions that would delay the work hours and weary out those who are called upon to attend these meetings, he is wonderfully what? How many of you have ever been wearied in a board meeting? And it's because of someone's actions, Satan is working in that board meeting. What I want to say is the board meeting is the place where evangelism is being, is being uh, uh, planned. Satan is doing everything to make sure these plans don't happen. He has had his way in this matter and the business, which should be pushed through with, with dispatch, yet in an intelligent manner, is made tedious and to drag along because of human unsanctified elements in the character of some who are placed in responsible positions who do not have knowledge when to speak and when to keep silent. Okay? Number one, four points that I'd like to, to recommend before you. Number one, board meetings, see them as spiritual exercises. Before our brethren assemble in council and board meetings, each one should present himself before God, carefully searching out the heart and critically examining the motives. Pray that the Lord may reveal self to you so that you may not unwisely criticize or condemn propositions. Amen? Amen. Number two, dietary preparation. Have you ever thought about this? You know, before a big game, athletes, they watch their diet. Administrators, before a big board meeting, we watch our diet. The habit of overeating or, or of eating too many kinds of food at one meal frequently cause, causes dyspepsia. The excessive amount of food eaten or the improper combination of the food does its in, injurious work. Some may ask, what in the world does this have to do with board meetings? Very much. The effect of wrong eating Effects of wrong eating are brought into council and board meetings. The brain is affected by the condition of the stomach. A disordered stomach is productive of a disordered, uncertain state of mind. When do board meetings usually happen in a local church? After a big meal. And usually Adventist meals, well, number three. Uh, a diseased stomach produces a diseased condition of the brain and often makes one obstinate in maintaining erroneous opinions. The supposed wisdom of such a one is foolishness with God. Now get this. I present this as the cause of the situation in many council and board meetings where questions demanding careful study have been given but little consideration and decisions of the greatest importance have been what? Hurriedly, Hurriedly made. Often when there should have been unanimous, 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 where everyone should have voted the same way of sentiment in the affirmative decided negatives have entirely changed the atmosphere pervading a meeting. These results have been presented to me again and again. And if this was happening in the 1800s, is this happening more in 2015? Number three. This, this, was, this is uh, very difficult for me because I, I'm guilty of this many times. The disposition to say witty things that will create a laugh when the wants of the cause are under consideration, whether in a committee meeting, a board meeting, or any other meeting for business, is not of who? Have you ever been to board meetings when someone says that one little thing? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> and we, sometimes we say it because we've been so bored. We need to say something humorous to keep our attention. Think of board meetings where God sits as chair and you're asking him how to push the gospel forward. You dare not say those things in from the presence 
of your, of your sovereign and Lord. God is not honored when we turn everything to ridicule one day, and the next day we're discouraged and almost hopeless, having no light from Christ and ready to find fault and murmur. He is pleased when his people manifest solidity, strength, firmness of character, and when they have cheerful, happy, hopeful dispositions. Amen? And number four. Everyone who serves in board meetings needs to seek most earnestly the, the wisdom from above. The transforming grace of Christ should be felt in every meeting. Then the influence of the Spirit of Christ upon the hearts of those present will place a right mold upon the work. It will quell tumultuous actions and charm away the unhallowed effects of that worldliness which makes men sharp, critical, overbearing, and ready to accuse. I've been to a board meeting or after we've conducted the Lord's business, we spontaneously sang the doxology. We were praising God because the finances were up. We had enough finances to do evangelism. Evangelistic series were successful. And then in the board meeting, we were just so thankful to be part of that group to do God's will. Can board meetings stop being boring and the means by which God's work is finished on, on this earth. Amen? How many of you want to be agents of that kind of board meeting process? Stand with me and let me have a blessing with you. Father in heaven, for my brothers and sisters this throughout this day that are sitting, pray that you take the information presented and convert that information into an experience, an experience transformed into the gospel in everyday, real-time life, Lord. Father, for my brothers and sisters and myself, and for the future board meetings that we go to, for the future visitations that we have, the future local church interactions and Sabbath school and whatnot, help us not just be church people, Lord. We don't want to be church people. We want to be people about your business, and the church is just a means by which the business is accomplished. Father, through these things, may our love for Lord Jesus get even deeper, wider, more fervent, and help us to be more in line with your will each day. We pray humbly in Jesus' name and let everyone say, Amen. Amen. God bless each one of you. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at the cross in phoenix arizona gyc a supporting ministry of the seventh day adventist church seeks to inspire young people to be bible-based christ-centered and soul-winning christians to download or purchase other resources like this visit us online at www.gycweb.org